Father, we just thank you. One more day in the land of the living, one more day to experience your mercy, your grace in our lives, one more day to prepare for the day of your coming. Oh, Father, one more day, Lord, to rest in you, to cease from our works, one more day to see the work of God in our lives. We just want to thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. As we go to the ministry of the word, we surrender ourselves, Lord. All of us here, everywhere, wherever your children are gathered, whichever time zone, we just surrender to your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Minister to us. Only your Spirit can do this work. No man is worthy for this work, Lord. Only your Spirit can do this through us and in us. So we surrender this time into thy hands, O Lord. Be magnified, be glorified in our midst, Lord, and in us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So as we go through these days, it's like 20, 34 days, but it will continue and until everything back to normal. God willing, we'll continue the ministry of the Word twice a day as this lockdown continues. But if you want to look at the results, spiritual results of effective lockdown of this lockdown in our own lives, the government is looking at the physical, medical effects, results of the lockdown, how effective it is. They do their studies, but we personally do our studies is how has it changed primarily our approach to the word of God and to prayer? That's the only thing we look. Has, has our word life and prayer life changed? Because this is the two things that first connect us to God and the two things that he does. One is the work he does in us, and the other is the work he does through us. But please remember always, the first is more important than the second. The work he does in us is more important than the work he does through us. He first looks at Abel, and he first looks at Cain. Then only he will look at their work. Because most people are very satisfied with their work. No, whether it is secular or otherwise, which we call our ministry. They're very satisfied with their work. But God has to be first satisfied with the man, with the man or the woman. He's not first looking ever. YouTube is not working. Okay, He's first, uh, first looking at the person, then only at the work. And this is continuous in the Bible. Okay, the first statement is about David the person. Have chosen for me a man after my own heart. Then only we hear about his works. Before we hear about a single work about David, we hear about the person. All the way to Christ. Before we see Christ doing a single work We hear the Father saying, I am well pleased with him. That is the man, the person of Christ, 
before we see his works being manifested. But both are ongoing works. So we have to, we have to conscious about that, the work he does in us and the work he does through us. So keeping that in mind, we go and into the word and we look. Okay. So it is the simplicity that is outlined by Jesus Christ in his prayer when they asked him, teach us to pray our father. Okay. Meaning it is, he's speaking to the children. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to people who are born again by the word. So he's saying, this is how you should pray, our father. And to the children, he says about the father's name, the father's kingdom and the father's will. Even in that prayer, okay, even in that prayer of the sea, don't frame a doctrine or a theology from the four gospels along. You'll get it wrong. You have to frame your doctrine which agrees with Romans to Revelation because when Jesus is speaking, his work is not finished. So what he is saying is many of those doctrines are connected before he dies and rises again. And post that, even what he is teaching, there is a doctrinal shift. There is a doctrinal shift. So when he says in our Give us this day our daily bread. Ephesians 1 3 says, You have been blessed with everything in Christ Jesus. And 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Through his divine promises, you partake of his, of his precious. Okay? So it, 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 it is changing. It is changing. Okay? So we have to see if you're going to frame your entire theology from the four gospels, you'll get it wrong. That is before Jesus has finished his work. So in so many ways he's speaking to the old covenant people there. When the old covenant people become new covenant, that's why he actually says there are so many things I want to say, but you can't bear it. <laughs> you can't you won't even understand it. You can't even understand. So let the Holy Spirit come. He will take you into the new covenant and teach you what I've taught you, and he will make it more complete and more full for you. So, please keep that in mind, his name, his kingdom, and his will. So, whether we are studying about Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or Joseph, or David, or even Rebecca, all these people are just saint reflections of Christ's character or person, or the person of Christ. So, we are looking at, or we look at a person like Lot, or King Saul, or others, we are looking at how they do not reflect Christ's character or attitude. We need to know what is the call and the longing to be like Christ. Otherwise, how will we or how will we understand the call of the Holy Spirit to change us according to Christ? The Holy Spirit is a person who is working within us, but if he is speaking to us, how do we know he is speaking and what he is speaking unless we see a picture of Christ in Abraham and in Isaac and Jacob and all these people? What is he changing us to? That's why we need these people and their their lives. Okay, they're saying they're not picking it up in New York. Okay, okay. 
So please, please get this clear. The first work, the work he does in us. Then the work he does through us. See, God doesn't need, technically speaking, he doesn't need workers. <laughs> He's got billions and billions upon angels. And do the whole work, he needs a few angels. That's all. Who will do it also perfectly. So he does, he's not looking for workers. So don't focus so much and put all your heart, soul into your work. You have to understand the purpose of the work and then put your heart, soul into your work. The purpose of your work is that he has instituted work for all of us that through that work, the character of Christ may be formed in us. So work itself is a tool through which the character comes. That's why the work is difficult. The work is easy and the character is not getting framed. The work is difficult and that is where the character of Christ has to come. We are looking for easy work and immediate rewards. But that was never there. Then he can send the angels. He doesn't need us. If he wants the work to be done fast with incredible results, send one angel. No? But that's not the purpose of work for us. For us, the workers is that through the work, we are being transformed in the image of Christ Jesus. All the young ones, young meaning, some of you are pretty old, 70 plus, but only got saved in these last 30 days. But you are very young in the Lord, so please remember, okay? Please remember the primary purpose of works. So unless we see Christ in the scripture, we hear, read, listen, we have failed in our study of scripture. Just like all the religious leaders of the past, we have failed in our study of scripture. The entire purpose is to see Christ, then cry out to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I saw today something about Christ that is not in me. Make me, change me. I offer myself once again. In the light of the word I heard in the morning, I put myself on the altar. Work on me, Lord. Keep changing me. Because God has already declared in Romans 8, 29 and 30, the declaration has already been absolutely, totally made. This is, yeah, for whom he foreknew. He's already foreknown everything. He's in the end from the beginning. He also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. The entire work God has been doing from the beginning till the end is there in two. And we have to look this. He has already foreknown. He has already destined all those who are saved. But this is it, the main thing, that we may be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. That is the main key. Okay? That we may be conformed. Please understand that. If we don't understand that, then we are missing everything. So there may be only six or seven verses concerning Enoch in the Bible. Okay, Bible. But his walk transformed him. So there may be only two lines about Rebecca leaving her house and reaching Isaac. But that is the whole history of the church in those two verses. There may be only one line that defines Isaac's entire life. He lived for a long 152 years or something, 138 plus 40, 132 plus 48. So he lived for, uh, yeah, 
I think I well, I think he lived for if my memory is right, he lived for hundred and eighty years. Hundred and eighty years life is in one one sentence. Right? He he made an altar, pitched a tent, dug a well. That was his entire life. Okay, one this thing. And so those are the lines that speak. And uh, Abraham lived for 175 years. But one line repeated three times, one word repeated three times defines Abraham, God's friend. Simple. Cannot be taken away. Twice in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament. Abraham, God's friend. Okay. And Joseph is revealed at the age of 17 as Israel. Okay. So we look at it and we realize this is all about Christ. And all these are markers we need to look at. We are not gathering knowledge of scripture. We are gathering knowledge of Christ. Because scripture is about Christ. We don't want more biblical knowledge. We want knowledge of Christ. That everything that we hear from scripture has to be transformed into Christ the person and then ask the Holy Spirit to make it a part of our life. That is where transformation takes place from glory to glory. So there is another person in the Bible. If you turn with me to James chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. Many of you have heard parts much of about him but we have to keep going back to all these important people in the bible elijah was a man with a nature like ours okay first you have to read this thing about elijah in the new covenant before you go to the old covenant otherwise you will say oh no he was supernatural no he says he was just like you okay. he was just like you he did not he was actually had less facilities than you Elijah was a man with nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. That is Elijah. You know, Jesus Christ on the, uh, in the, on the cross, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, if that's how you pronounce it. Eli means my God, my God, my God. So Eli, Jah means Yehovah. My God is Yahweh. In the midst of absolute, Israel has gone bonkers into darkness and all kinds of God has appeared in the middle of that one man stand and says, My God is Yahweh. That is his, and his name is his ministry. In the midst of the darkness, he stands there as light and his name signifies, My God is Yahweh. My God is God. And again, if you know, we don't know who his father is, or mother is, or his occupation was. But we know who his God is. He just appears out of the blue. Okay? Plus, he's, he's identified to us in the new covenant. This is the spiritual identity of Elijah. We see Elijah as an incredible man who did all these things and fought powers of darkness and all that is how it, but New Covenant shows the spiritual secret. He was simply a man of prayer. He prayed in the evening on Mount Carmel for maybe a few hours and the rain came. But how many years he prayed to stop the rain, we do not know. Sometimes it takes more prayer and effort to stop something than to start something. 
understand that. How many years? How many years he prayed? Okay. Kutisa Marcus. We have something happening in the world right now. It's been on for three months or more. But only those who understand the will of God, the mind of God, they really understand the will of God and the mind of God, can pray according to the will of God. Only they can bring the will of God to pass. And sometimes all it takes is one man or one woman. If you don't know how many years he prayed to understand the will of God, he's broken over Israel's not gradual, quick shift to darkness. He's broken over that. And he cries and cries and cries and he cries. And God says, you understand my heart? So now I will let you. Go to the king with my solution. Okay. And God's solution to this whole situation is there will be no rain. Until the people repent and come back. Can you imagine if I were to go back and pray and pray and God says, okay, this is my solution. You can stand before YouTube and tell. There will be no vaccination or medicine found for this virus until my people repent. Period. How do we go and tell this if we hear? What kind of a man would pray for no rain? Only a man. Only a man who is completely dead but to the will of God. That is why he is Elijah. He's a man who has made God the Lord of their lives. And you will see these are people, okay, you see factored in. It is only when we come to that point we have actually lost our identity. Lost our identity and our identity is found only in Christ. So in First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1, Onwards, first we will see before the king, Elijah the Tishbite. That's how he suddenly propelled before the people and before the world. Nobody knows him before that. We don't know. Just comes and stands. Maybe knows, but it's not revealed in scripture. Maybe they all know him because otherwise it's not easy to suddenly come and appear before the king. But scripture introduces him like this. Of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand. Okay. This is a young man. Okay, young man, spiritually speaking, standing before a king. But he makes it very clearly, I stand before the other king. I speak for another king. Who gave you this throne of your fathers? Stand before another king. And I'm speaking to you his words. And every servant of God has to be always aware who is your king. Laudation church, people is king. In democracy, people is king. Governments cannot take a decision without public opinion. Okay, here public opinion don't matter because they will beat 
you out of this place. But other places where the rule of law is there and very strict, then the governments, everything is on. Should you wear a mask? Public opinion. Should you wash your hands? Public opinion. Should you stay inside? Public opinion. Everything goes by public opinion. Where people are king. And that is what also the church also has become. People have become king. Where churches, when they go out, they will give you this boom, little paper with this thing, feedback forms. No, did you was the sermon too long? Okay, did you like the songs? Did you like the music? How was the ambience? It's people are king. That's why it's the church of the love editions. And that's how the world, we are not talking about even about the world. We are talking about the church. This entire thing is about the church. This is not about the world. If the solution lies with the church, you have to speak to the church. We don't have to speak to the world. So here is this man standing there before. And he says, I stand before the word of God. And there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So the word of God is is a type of what we saw, the young man who defeats powers of darkness. And Ahab represents physically the one who has been taken over by powers of darkness. And he is saying, until the word of God comes through my mouth, meaning the word of God lives in him. The young men are able to destroy powers of darkness, not because they just have the Logos word, but because they have the Rema word. They are connected, so they know exactly which word to speak. That one verse defines all the hidden years of Elijah's life. So where were you all these years? Living before God. Okay. So now he's speaking what he has heard. No dew, no rain. After that, what you see is God's work will continue in Elijah's life while everyone's life will now be defined for searching for water and food. Everybody's life will change now. Everybody, because famine has been proclaimed, everybody's life is now looking for food and water, while Elijah will never have to look for either food or water. So he is the only one in the midst of it in whom the work of God will continue. And all the others, the work of God will cease. Okay, please remember, we are going through famine. And our famine is coming. Unless we hear from God, the work of God will cease in our lives. Are you getting it? Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 and 2. We had looked this earlier. Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 and 2. And then Amos 8, 11. Give ear, O heaven, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as rain, my speech distill as dew, as the rain drops on the tender herb and showers on the grass. So, there is no more dew, no more rain. So, the word of God will cease. Everybody has the text in their hands. The Spirit of God leaves. When the Spirit of God leaves, the text is dead. That is what has happened, I believe, in so many lives, in so many churches. So Amos 8.11 comes. What is that? The famine begins, a different famine. What is this? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, 
not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord are there, but it's not there's no hearing. Hearing comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is gone. The dew has stopped, the rain has stopped. These are all symbols of the Holy Spirit. Oil, dew, rain, you know, fire. These are all symbols of the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Okay? So please understand. That has stopped. Word is there. And God says, I will send. So we have to read what is happening with Elijah into our context. Elijah has pronounced famine in the land. While he himself is a type of the Elijah company. Elijah is a type of a set of people who will escape the famine. That is the hearing of the word. In the midst of it all, if you notice, he always hears. He hears. He hears. And during all this, all the situations that are going to unfold in the coming months and years, all we need is to hear from God. He's the only one who has a solution. That's all we need. This will not do if the spirit lives. This will only work with the spirit. Everybody has a Bible. We have so many Bibles in our house. How much Bible do we have? In hundreds we have Bibles in this church office and our homes. We have plenty. But if the Spirit leaves, He will not speak to us. He will not speak to us. So that's the key. The hearing of the word okay, will continue in the Elijah company. So if you go to verse 2, and three of Elijah's, yeah. Then the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. You see, when you live with God and live in his presence, you don't have to go to the word. The word will come to you. The word will come to you. Because you are living with this. You are living with this. So the word of the Lord will come to you. It came to him. He has obeyed the word of God. He has stood before the king. He has finished what he has to say. And the word of the Lord came to him. And told him, get away from here. Don't get fascinated by the palace or the settings. Even if he offers you a post, get away from here. You have to hear from God. To David, it was told him to go to the palace. To Elijah, it was told to get away from the palace. So everything we have to hear very, very clearly. You don't take one pattern and say, that is the pattern for my life. No. Abraham went down to Egypt. Isaac was not allowed to go. Jacob was told to go. So, But the place is the same. Directions are different. That is why this hearing is so important. Okay, Get away from here. And turn. Turn eastward. Please understand. Turning eastward at the word of the Lord is one thing. Turning east in opposition to God is another thing. These are two different things. East is where the sun rises. So Cain, in stubbornness and rebellion, will go east. That's meaning he's going away from God. But Elijah, when he hears God and goes in east, he's approaching the new day of the Lord. But only Elijah company can bring forth the new day of the Lord is in the east when you are obeying God. But when you are disobeying God, when you are going to the east, you are going into darkness. 
Father and Father. So everything you have to interpret it in terms of who is speaking and who is listening. Okay, that's why the word of God is a revelation. And revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh oh, everybody is talking about YouTube. And what is he told? He's told, get away from here eastward and hide. Okay, Brook Kerith is a place. It can be any place for us when you're here. That becomes our Brook Kerith. But we are told to hide there. Okay, we are told to hide. So we have to, we have to Listen very carefully, because later he will be told to go and reveal himself. Now he is told to hide himself. So we have to be very clear about, that's why we have to, all those who have ears, let them hear. Because sometimes what happens when we have to be revealed, like Saul, you are hiding. And when you should not have revealed, when you should have been hiding, he went and made a monument for himself or blew a trumpet and revealed himself. Because that is a man of flesh who was not hearing. So he heard very clearly. We have to hear very clearly the days when we need to hide and the days when we need to reveal. And Brook Cherith is only a place, symbolically a place. It can mean different places to different people. Okay. So what happens is, Kerith of course we mean, so Kerith or Kerith means cutting. Okay, cutting. So now the entire work of God for the Elijah company is the separation by the word. He does not have to worry about provision in the midst of famine. Just focus on the work God is doing in you. Allow the word of God to separate you. You are being separated. Your, your ears are being even more fine-tuned to hear from God. We think, okay, I can hear clearly. God says, no man except my son heard clearly. And to hear so clearly, you need to have seen him every morning how he prayed. That's why he heard so clearly. Every morning up in that place, he was beating his flesh to death so that he could hear me so clearly. Not only that, understand me so clearly. Hearing is one thing, understanding is another thing. He had to hear my voice, understand my feelings, and then die to himself and live that out exactly. And that's how his prayers were every morning. So now Elijah is being prepared for something really, really big. So he is being fine-tuned over there by the word. And in the process, because you are obeying God and he's working in you, don't worry about your provision. I will take care of it. Okay. So how long did he stay there? We do not know. But God has made provision. He's commanded. Okay. See, verse 4. Okay. You shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So there is two kinds of provision God does. One is the kind of provision which is available to us already. And there is a provision that is not available, which he commands. Okay? Which he commands. 
So we don't have to worry. He says, I don't have to give you water because I'm keeping you beside the water. So water is there. Okay, so you cannot sit by a brook and say, Lord, why don't you send me water? He said, that's there. So he, he, we don't have to ask God about the things which we already have. Accessible, it is there. But he will command those things into our lives which we cannot have, which we do not have. So there is two types we have to see about how God deals with his children. Okay, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord. Okay, he's going by the word he has heard and he's alone. These are things which we have to realize. This is why this separation is so important. The word of God has to separate us. Because, you know, a lot of things will happen in our life because we are not, we are not ready to live out the life of Christ for things that may come much later in our life. There is the word of God which you have to obey and the word of God which you have to live out when we obey. I'm sure you didn't get it. Enoch walked with God and he disappeared. Okay? It's written, he was taken no more. Nowhere in the Bible is written, anybody knew how he was taken. That revelation is coming to us hundreds of years later through Moses. Even Noah probably did not know how he went. Okay? But what do you think the people around his time said? He must have run away with some woman. Are you getting it? Lot of people, like I'm telling you honestly, lot of people are more worried about where they will be buried than how they should live now. What will people think of me if God takes me like that? Now what will happen to my wife? They will always smoke her. (laughs) This is a man who is walking with God and dying to himself daily. So we have heard the word of God, but we may not be ready to live it out. So God gives us time. A lot of things, a lot of things that we have heard. In so many ways we have understood, but we still are not ready to live it out. So God has to prepare his people. He gives us a time. And that's what is happening over there. He is by Cherith and he is being fed. The water is there. And how long does he stay there? Verse 7 will tell you how long he will live. It happened after a while. The brook dried up. Okay? Meaning your work of separation is complete. The water which represents the word has dried up. Meaning that work is complete. Now time to move. Chidi, the raven is bringing bread and meat. The raven is not bringing water. Meaning there is a constant flow of the word in your life. Okay? When that has dried up, that means that work is complete. Now you need to look for the next source of water, which has got to do with another work God is doing in your life. Though it's all water. They all look the same, but the work it does is not the same. It's not the same. My work has achieved this purpose in your life. Now move to the next stage. Now if he stays there, he will fall into the famine of the others. He'll have to search for water. Famine of hearing. And when you have famine of hearing, what will happen is the bread will be dry in your mouth. So many people have not moved from that stage. So when they hear the word, it is dry in their mouth. The word of God is dry. It's dry. Because the brook dried, but they didn't move on. Because they like Kerith now. 
I lived there so long. They lived there so long. Okay, please remember, everything which God does in our life, it has a purpose. And that purpose has been fulfilled. Move on. Move on. Because he's been taught how sensitive, to be sensitive to the voice of God in the midst of stillness. Now is God going to train him how to be sensitive to people? Ultimately, we are sent to people. We are separated unto God to be sent to people. What if it is written, John the Baptist grew up all the days in the wilderness and stopped there. Until he was revealed and released to the people. That was the purpose. So that you hear very, very, very clearly, you are the last and the greatest among the Old Testament. You are the one who is going to point my son out. So your ears have to be spectacularly clear than anybody else. You cannot afford to make the mistake of any of the prophets who went before you. You cannot make that mistake. Others could, because they were not pointing my son out directly. You're the one who's going to point my son out directly. So your hearing has to be better than all the others who went before you. Okay, but that is the purpose of being in the wilderness, so that he could be presented to the people and point out Christ. That's going to what happened to Elijah. He's going to be sensitive now to the voice of God and the need of people. So John is very, very sensitive to the voice of God and he looks at all the people and he's able to very clearly see all these people, their need is repentance. Their need is repentance. So that's the message. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. Absolutely clearly able to hear from God and see the need of people according to God. So that's how we will go. Okay, now arise and go to Zarephath. Came to him, arise and go to Zarephath. Zarephath we know, for those who are new, which means refining, place of refining. That means the Elijah company. If we want to include ourselves in the Elijah company, we need even more refining. And the Cutting separation work has done. That is good. We need very, very refining that we are sensitive to the voice of God and the plight of man. And I believe the Elijah company needs that much. All of you sitting here need it much. The plight of man. So doctors will always have it because they are among patients. So always have seen. Doctors are very, very kind and compassionate, very, very sensitive because they are dealing only with patients. We don't deal with patients, so we have no patience. You know? <laughs> okay, need to realize now when you deal with people, the first thing is thing: love is kind and suffers long. That's the first thing. When you are dealing with people. And that's what you deal. Jesus was kind and long with everybody except the Pharisees. And if the Pharisee was not questioning his doctrine, he was okay with them too. Which Nicodemus also would give him the whole night to sit with him and talk if he wanted. He has no issues. But those who were like opposing the kingdom of God, he was very harsh with them. But other than that, he was very, very kind. Very kind and long-suffering with the people. Please understand that is to where God has to take us to the next. And all these are according to the commands of God. In the midst of famine. 
God has decreed provision for his obedient servant. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. So the servants of God trust God and goes. Who he commands provision is irrelevant, should be irrelevant to us. It could be a reaven, it could be a widow. But you need to realize, for me, what is important is not from where my provision comes. My What is important is that I should be sensitive in my spirit that at that place, his purpose is fulfilled in me. Don't keep your eye on the provision. Keep your eye on the purpose. Why am I being sent here and what is it? Okay, so it's a widow, poor widow. And if you look at it, by this time probably, there is movement all over the land. People are looking for water, prophets are all hiding, king's men are looking for grass, even for the horses, all kinds of movements is having. Everybody is moving, moving, moving. But only one man is moving in the direction God wants. Only one man. Only one man. Everybody is moving. All movement is not spiritual movement. Only one man is, even the ten hundred prophets hiding in the cave or the other six thousand nine hundred, none of their movements are really spiritual where God can move them for his purpose. Only one man is moving. Okay? And if you look at that, verse 9, it says, I have commanded a widow there. Who have I commanded? A widow. A widow is somebody who lost a husband. Therefore, she has no head, no provider, no covering. It's a picture of the last days of a church. It's no head, no provider, no covering. And the Elijah company is sent to them. They have no head. The widow has no head. Her husband is dead. And she has no provider. Her husband is dead. She has no covering, no protection. That's a picture of the last day's church. And the Elijah company is sent to them. Okay. So spiritually, that church is naked. Because there is no head, no covering, no protection. Yeah. No provision. No provision from heaven, from God. No protection. So the church may look absolutely great or not, but is completely taken over by witchcraft, which is deception. Absolutely. So we have to look at the physical picture and translate it into the spiritual picture. That is Laodicea. What is Laodicea taken over by witchcraft, which is deception? They have been taken over by deception. Nothing. They are naked. It's like Moses is gone and God tells this thing, whatever. They have become naked. Covering is gone. No head. No head, no covering, it's gone. It's like Adam and Eve, once they sinned, covering is gone. The Spirit of God, glory is gone. So you have to see the picture of the church there as a widow. And Elijah company is being a people who are being prepared, separated and refined is, is being sent. Okay, we have to be, we'll, in that company we will be refined. The good company, we will not be refined. Okay, and you also see she's got a son. 
who's an orphan. So a widow and an orphan. Okay, it's double trouble. And if you go to verse 12, we know, we have looked at, I'm not looking at the faith part of it, we looked at it in detail, how faith is everything, okay? So he asks for a little water. And when she starts to go, he says, give me some bread too. So she said, ask the Lord your God lips. That's a problem with the widowed church. She doesn't know who her head is. She doesn't know her God. Your God. My God. She doesn't have. She can't say because she doesn't know her God. I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin. And little oil in a jar. Now, if you go to Luke 13.21, KJV will use that same term as meal. M-E-L, meal, which is flour. Okay? Luke 13.21. It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Meal is fine powdered flour. So she uses the term flour over there, which is basically meal. So meal till the whole was leavened. So meal is a type of the word of God where leaven was put in, false doctrine was put in, and the whole thing got contaminated. Okay, we like leavened bread, but it is contaminated doctrine. Okay, word of God. So all she has left is a little word in her life and a little oil with her. Little. Koncha. Revelation 3, 1 and 2. Koncha. Different pictures from the Bukhara. And the angel of the church in Sardis right. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. That's what she is. She's ready to die. I and my son will eat and I will die. I will die. Okay? For I have not found your works perfect before God. To her, Elijah is sent. Okay, it's a picture. These are all revelation. These are all pictures of the church. Different, different pictures of the church. So Elijah is sent. And we know that is where it begins. She believes. She believes. What does she do? She takes the flour and the oil and makes the dough. She bakes a cake and she gives to Elijah. And then the bin starts filling up. Okay, because when you take the word and give it to the, allow the prophetic to come into it, it comes alive. So life has started slowly flowing back into the church. Okay, started. And then we know from verse 17 onwards, if you look, you know, the widow's son dies. Okay, seven. Now it happened after these things that the son of woman who owned the Okay, if you go to verse 14, I want you to go to verse 14 too. There's something which he says. He tells her, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run down dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So there is a promise made to that church, to that woman, that church. You will be sustained by bread and oil, word and oil, because you received the prophetic into your life. But you also promise you, you will experience the latter day rain. There is a day of rain coming. There is a day of rain coming. Hang until then. It will come. T 
until God sends rain. And you will see the rain he sends is an enormous rain. Okay, so promise is given. The problem is when the promise is given, you have to believe that promise and walk in that promise and live in that promise. So what happens is the promise is tested because a little later a sun dies. Sun dies. The widow's son dies. We come down to verse 17 onwards down. And sickness was so serious there was no breath left in him. We know the story. She goes to Elijah. Right? She said to Elijah, what I have to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Okay. So immediately, you know, when cash, when uh, these th- negative things happen, what is inside is revealed. Everything comes out. So God allows actually, you know, stuff to happen in our lives so that what is hidden can come out. And you should need to speak it to God. Whatever is hidden is in the powers of darkness. Whatever is spoken, confessed, God is able to remove it. So she brings it. He said, give me your son. Give me your son. Okay? Give me your son. Now, I don't want to get into the picture of iniquity over there. There was some iniquity that is over, has passed on to the next generation and he is dying. But because it has been confessed, God is going to deal with that iniquity and bring him back to life. Something was there between, something happened between her, her husband, some hangama happened and she knows it very well. And she immediately is able to connect this with that. Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. We know this is the only work, work that Elijah did in three and a half years in terms of ministry. It's the only work he did. You don't see him doing anything in Keresh. You don't see him anything in Zarephath. Other than probably praying and meditating on the word of God. He doesn't know any work. Only work he does in the three and a half years. Therefore, it is an important work. Okay. Where all does he do? He goes there. Give me your son. He cried out to the Lord. Yeah. 20. He stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And it comes back. So it's, it's interesting. This is Elijah ministry, okay? He lies down on that child three times and says, let his life come back. And his life comes back. This is Elijah. So Elijah's life ministry, the Elijah spiritual part will be divided into three. He will bring the son back to life. Bring Israel back to God. Then Elijah spirit will come as John the Baptist and will bring the son to earth. And the final Elijah spirit will come and reveal the sons of God. Three phases of Elijah's ministry. And it is all there in the Bible. And he will lie on the son three times. He will bring the sons of Israel on Mount Carmel back to God. Elijah is the one who will point out the Son of God when it is dead for the world and makes points him and makes him alive for the world. Behold the Lamb of God. That's Elijah's ministry. And Malachi will say, before the terrible day of the Lord. When he brings the Father and the sons together, that is the Elisha generation who will rise up, which is Joel's army. That will rise up a generation like never before. This is the purpose of Elijah's ministry. Okay. She receives a miracle. 
let's let's go further yeah then the lord heard the voice of elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived elijah took the child brought him down the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother and elijah said see your son lives what did she say the woman said to elijah now by this i know that you are a man of god and the word of the lord in your mouth is true that is when the church will acknowledge Elijah was established before King Ahab by the word of judgment and Elijah was established before the widow by the word of life okay before the king it is judgment before the church okay before the world it is judgment repent or perish before the church it's life it is life how the word is established now he has to deal with the prophets of baal and the people of god who are enslaved by them that is the difficult part because baal means god of plenty or by the way god of prosperity the elijah ministry has to deal with the prophets of baal and when he asked the people which is almost all the people except 7000 who are missing there all the people first kings chapter 18 and verse 21 he has to tell them elijah came to all the people and said how long will you fall to between two opinions if lord is god follow him if baal follow him but the people answered him not a word they are so much caught up with the prosperity gospel true the world the entire famine they are so much still caught up with the prosperity famine and they are actually still believing and proclaiming once this is over they will become even more richer so much okay they will not say anything in matthew 6:24 jesus has said you cannot serve two masters you cannot serve god and mammon baal is mammon yahweh is god and we also know the church has been swept by the gospel of prosperity it's a carnal message aimed at the carnal man many of them who preach not all of them but most of them are prophets of baal this is a gospel that causes people to demand things from god god is trying to take things from us the god who said do not love the world and the things of the world is trying to separate us from the world and get rid of most of the life. like in like in lockdown we realize we don't need so many things look at the vehicles parked all city petrol has gone down below zero india has no more space to store petrol anymore have reached a glut us still has capacity they have a different capacity underground huge facilities of president trump is still planning to buy and stock because to buy from their refineries so the price remains stable but we have all reached our capacity there's no more place so now if we had ordered ships to come we have to tell them stand there <laughs> don't move we have nowhere to take it out Have you realized all the stuff? 
everything how life's meaning but the question is after this will we where will we go what will we go back this is a question to the church not to the world god has spoken to us so clearly in 30 days around the world to the church what life will you go back to have you learned the lessons of what life really is okay and this this shutdown has really affected the prosperity of bal really really affected the prophets of bal really really it has really affected and many of them are very seriously ill i'm not talking about the world i'm talking about the church we are not interested in talking about other religions okay we are talking about those within christianity because this is happening in israel so all this lockdown and stuff that is happening don't worry about the world worry about the church we say lord send revival he says and where and what will the people do where will they go i'll send revival okay i will sell i will say 1 billion people where will they go after that is there anybody to teach them these prophets of bal are waiting outside for them no where will they go that is why you need to realize you have to realize through this entire thing that is going to happen people will get rain ehab i'm sorry elijah will be established but who will be destroyed are the prophets of baal they will be destroyed and i'm praying every one of them is destroyed they repent or they die because they are the worst carnivorous animals in the system who have devoured on god's people as peter and all will say they have devoured the widow's might devoured you have to hear the actual stories of these people in us and all the big names they have even taken when the people did not have money this prosperity they even took the food stamps of the people and said so it into my ministry god will bless you food stamps that is how sick these people are and if they don't get judged why are we worried about other religions they are ignorant they are ignorant you know but the people are so caught up in that message which appeals to the carnal man the flesh no suffering it's all proclamation only no suffering at all character does not character of christ does not matter The only thing that matters is the things I can demand and claim and get from God. So these people are totally caught. Three and a half years of of famine. Still, they are not willing to let go of that idol, the golden calf. Ahab had married Jezebel. Remember, Ahab had married Jezebel. son of israel marrying the witch of the other side that's what has happened to the church the church is a child of god has been married to witchcraft so i keep saying and i'll keep telling you pastors by day masters by night and i pray lord every pastor who goes to the lords during this season let them die there 
And I have no hesitation in saying, because I'll tell you, God has forgiven and restored every kind of servant of his murderers like Moses and David and Paul and liars and adulterers and cheats. But those who went into the occult and deceived his people, nobody escaped the sword. He cut them down. So you have very little time to get out before he kills you. Fear God and come out. But the problem is you will not because you want your ministry. No, leave your ministry. Hand it over to some godly man and step out. Otherwise you will die in your sins and Baphomai will take you. Because if they don't repent during this season, many of the, many, I'm not mentioning names, many of the big ones are very, very ill. I'll tell you why you are ill. Because you preached such great messages in front of the people. And let me tell you, all of you are ill in your stomach. In your stomach you are ill. You know why? Because in those rituals you drank blood. That's why your stomach, you're all dying of cancer in your stomach. Because of the blood of children you drank. Innocence. And there is judgment. There's only one who can forgive you. It is God. And so many are innocent. They were programmed and sent over there. God will have mercy on you if you cry out to you. But if you have become evil, that's why God says, even if evil join hand with evil, they will not prevail. They will not escape. I'm telling you straight up. During this little window of time you have, repent and get out. That's why the Baals there, the prophets of Baal on the mountain, they jumped, they danced, and according to their pattern, they were shedding blood. Did you see that? Morning till evening. That's what you also do in your lodges, wearing your robes and jumping and dancing and shedding blood. This time, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to happen. Please note First Peter chapter 4, 17 and 18. Peter 4, 17 and 18. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. See, this whole lockdown, this whole virus is a judgment. But the judgment is intense on the house of God. Intense on the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner? There are three categories of people here. We are looking at the ungodly and the sinner. These are people in the world. But he's talking about those who don't obey the gospel of God. These are in the church. They have taken the gospel, but they don't obey the gospel. What is the end of those people? What are the ends of the prophets of Baal? What is their end? Because they at least were honest to say they were prophets of Baal. You guys are not. You say you are prophets of Jesus. You have made Jesus into Baal. That's that's your problem. And there is the Elijah company that is being prepared. Please understand, there is a company that is being prepared. Nobody will see them. This is up on the mountain in Israel, but here nothing is being seen on any mountain. There are men and women of God praying in their closets and these guys are dying every day. They are dying in their dozens masters, the wizards and the witches are dying because they have no clue. The Elijah company is risen and they are in their closet saying, Lord, set your people free from the power of witchcraft. Let them come out. 
It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. We think it will be upon a mountain. No, this isn't the mountain of prayer. It's a mountain which you have ascended on your knees. In your prayer closet where nobody sees, God sees. God sees. Okay, God sees. First Kings chapter 18, verse 30 and 31. Their time is up. Elijah's time is on. Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. That's always it begins. The whole purpose of it is that they would come near to God. Come near to me. Jesus also constantly, come, come to me, come to me. He cannot say, come to me. So he will say, come near to me. He's not Christ. So he will say, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. That's where it all begins. If the altar is not repaired, there is no revival. There is no restoration. We want the virus to be taken away. God says, would you please repair the altar? We were so scared about the economy. Lord, I will lose my job. He said, yeah, you're worried about losing your job. I'm worried about losing you. Will you please, will you please repair your heart? Will you just put that altar back in shape? Would you just please start with your prayer life? Because altar is where a man meets God. Would you just start working on your prayer life, please? He took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Meaning he took 12 uncut stones. So spiritual Israel, the church. Not that the church has supplanted Israel. No, Israel is there. Church is there, but church church also has 12 pillars, 12 apostles. So let us look at in our case. He took 12 uncut stones according to the number. To whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. That's our name also. The Israel of God. Okay, Prince with God. What is Israel supposed to be? Israel is supposed to have overcome powers of darkness. And overcome their prince with man and prince with God. God is so proud of him because he's defeated those in realm too. Okay. Yet he has no prayer life. Yet has no word life. And they have been taken over by realm too. So he took 12. And if you go further down, what does he do? With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. If you really, really want to build the altar back, you have to go back to the apostolic doctrine. You have to go back to your roots. Not law. The apostolic doctrine. Because the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. You have to go back to that. Get it right. Go back to the simple preliminary elementary teaching. Repentance from works that leads to death. Dead works. Faith towards God. The baptisms that are available. <laughs> the laying of hands. Resurrection of the dead. And eternal judgment. Let's go back and build the foundation again, all over again. The foundation has to be built. 
And also, we have to put, as spiritual Israel, we have to put our flesh to death. That is the wood in order. We need this body, but the body needs to be in order. And we have to cut the bull in pieces and lay it on the wood. We have to offer our flesh as a sacrifice. And fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood. Drench ourselves with the word of God. Absolutely soak ourselves with the word of God. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. There are many levels to this, okay? I'm just putting across one more. And then, until he dug a deep trench also, you can look at it, the depth of your repentance. Also, the trench is dug so that the water doesn't escape and flow out. There is much word we have received but not utilized in our lives. But let it be all captured and not wasted. So Jesus will say, pick up the fragments. Don't let it go waste. So every drop of water is collected. Nothing goes, flows down. If you want, you can take a good look in your spiritual eye, the difference between Elijah's altar and Baal's altar. A lot of pomp and show, light and sound show over there. This is a simple altar. The simplicity of the cross, the simplicity of the message. But if you were to watch Elijah there, Elijah is standing there as an island with water all around. It's not like, let's imagine this is the altar. Okay, imagine. It's easier to imagine. This is the altar they built. And the trench is dug like this. Now the entire place is full of water. And the water has drenched everything and filled the trench. So he's standing there symbolizing a restored church separated from the world by the water of God's word. Absolutely separated from the world. Yet standing right there in the front and middle of the world. But separated by the water of the word. That's a picture of the bride. And then scripture says, fire fell. Right? Verse 38. Fire fell. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the the wood, the flesh. Okay, wood and flesh goes first. Everything is taken. The stones, the living stones, which is spiritual Israel, the stones, the water, all the word, and the dust. Everything is gone. That's The dust is the old Adamic nature. Everything is gone. When the actual fire of God falls, everything is gone. Only Christ will be left. The whole man disappears. What is left is Christ. The corruptible will put the incorruptible. Nothing of the old man is left. Everything is gone. Even the water disappears because the water has become life. 
It's no longer water. It's gone. Nobody is going to heaven carrying their Bibles. The Bible has become life. Nobody will be carrying Bibles to heaven. While your rapture is taking place, different, different translations are not going up. Everybody's translation has become one. It has become their life. Everything is gone. That is the intention of God. That the word will become life. Then, the people will destroy. Okay, he has done his work. He's showing them symbolically, spiritually, what God will do at the end. A people were so consumed by God. Consumed by God. This is a picture of Elijah, who he really is. What happened there has already happened in his life. He's somebody who has been consumed by the fire of God. It's just a symbol of what should happen to the church. Then the people will destroy the prophets of Baal. And this has to happen in every generation. That is why every generation you will hear somewhere or other, a revival took place. By the time that revival finished, everything was shut down. No bars, no theaters, nothing. Everything has changed. People's food habits, life habits, clothing habits, everybody. Nobody had to preach anything. Women's hands were automatically covered. Neckline came up. Hemline went down. Nobody had to even tell about these things. The Holy Spirit did all of that. Every bar was shut. There were no drunkards in the towns. Everything. Because that is what true revival is. Everything. Everything of your life is changed. And the Holy Spirit falls upon you. Nothing is left untouched. Every read historical accounts of revivals that took place. Everything changed. Jails had to be opened and released prisoners because the people inside changed. The Holy Spirit, that's what happened in Philippi. <laughs> Everybody changed. Doors are open, windows are open, nobody wants to leave because they're all honest men now. <laughs> Nobody's gonna run out. All honest men. Holy Spirit has transformed the prison. Now in the entire city of Philippi, there is only one honest place. That is a prison. <laughs> okay. This is what God is talking about. A genuine. I mean, just giving us a little. God is giving a little pictures like what heaven will be like. Okay. And they go down, take the prophets of Baal down, and finish them all off. Until that happens. Until we have dealt. With sin and these prophets in our life, we still cannot move into God's fullness. People have to make this decision in their life. You know what? I am not going to listen to these junksters anymore. Even their old messages, I am just deleting it off my stuff. Because if you don't have discernment, you don't have discernment and you listen to them, you come under their power. And their power is the power of witchcraft. The power of witchcraft. It is not the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course they can have incredible revelations and teachings and all. There are a couple of big ones in the ministry. I'm not naming any names. If you listen, you know who you are. You came out of the circle. And you have also told you have come out of the circle. But I can tell you very clearly. That some of the times when you preach, it's not you preaching, altars are coming out. I've seen you. Now, I can recognize altars when altars preach and core preaches. You are big. You are some of the biggest in the world. And I'm not talking about Joel Austin or Joseph Prince. I'm talking about those who came out. It's not you preaching. You still struggle with altars. And if you're struggling with witchcraft, you shouldn't be behind the pulpit. 
meaning the power of Baphomet still works in your life, should be out. Don't put your people in. That's why God shut all the churches down. He's cleaning the church out. Absolutely doing a cleansing in the church. Because this is not a joke and God does not joke. So he took them and executed them there. So we we don't go around killing people. They will die on their own, but we have to cut their voices of our life. I will not let you speak to me. Then if you go to verse 41 and 42, there is one man in the midst of it. Meaning after all this is over, there will be another company called the Ahab company who will be totally untouched by all of this. And the prophetic voice will tell them, go and eat and drink. And he will immediately turn around and eat and drink. Eat and drink. So Ahab went to eat and drink and Elijah went to pray. And this is prophetic. Jesus said, until the day Noah entered into the ark, they were eating and drinking. You can preach till your eyeballs pop. It is not going to stop them from eating and drinking. But their life is only about the flesh. And he says, until the moment Lot left, they were eating and drinking. He's seen it all. He goes to eat and drink. So please don't ever expect everybody will change. Leave it to God. That's why God says, Paul plans, Apollo's waters, increases from God. Therefore, the man who plants... The man who waters is nothing. God is everything. So don't you even look and say, oh, my whole church will be changed. No. Leave it to God. After all this, there will be a company who will go to eat. But that should not change you. You should still go to pray. Them eating should not cause you to eat. Go back to the world. You still go back to the mountain of God. You still go back to God. You don't go back in the way of flesh. He goes up and he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He's there, I believe he's there. All he can smell is smoke, but he knows it's holy smoke. And it's holy smoke, it's it's another term also, holy smoke, okay. And he's there on his face and he doesn't even lift his head and he prays. Head, face between his knees. Like that. I want to try it sometime. I haven't figured this out yet. How did he put his face between his knees? No, we, we don't, we don't pray like that. We pray like this. No, like, he's not, he's, I don't know how he managed that. At least one thing is sure. He had an absolutely flat stomach. (laughs) After weeks and months and years of fasting. Okay. So I don't think this is literal, but basically, you know, okay. How he's went up, bowed down on the ground and he put his face between his knees. Okay. So don't, you don't have to pick all kind of pictures, but there are there are pictures in which you say maybe we do not know how many hours more he how many how many hours more he prayed. It doesn't say. And then he started praying. Elijah said to his servant, "Go up and now look towards the sea." So he went up and looked, and there is nothing. Seven times he said, "Go again." 
it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. So seven times this guy went. It was only at the seventh time he saw the hand of God rising. Seventh time. What did Elijah say? Go. He said, I see nothing. Go, I see nothing. Go, I see nothing. Go, I see. Seventh time he saw the hand of God. The seventh year is almost here now. The hand of God is raising, raising up a company who will bring God's work to finish. A company is rising, the fivefold ministry will be restored at the end, again with greater power than Elijah's. So we see all that is happening differently. We don't see it the way the world sees. The world will say worst of time. The church says the best of times. God is cleaning his house and is empowering our people. And nobody may even see them. Tell we all, it's not like what we see in the old covenant. This will be completely different. God's purpose will be fulfilled by them. He came down. Came to pass. He went up to Ahab and he said, go up. He says to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. He says, get moving. The rain is coming. The thing is that what you see the difference between Elijah and his servant. It's an unnamed person and everybody speculates it was the widow's son who was his servant. Okay. Who became his servant. But you can live with the prophet and never see into the prophetic. Never. And never touch your life at all. That's why he has to leave him and move on and God will give him Elisha, another one. This guy never becomes part of that company. He's left at Beersheba and he goes back. He can be brought back from the death, lived with this great man and never be touched by his life. So the sad things, oh, like Gehazi. Okay, sad, sad. My stick hasn't disappeared. Yeah, it is. Oh, now I have two sticks. How interesting. But I only want one. Okay. Do you remember the Shunammite woman Pastor Vijay preached about? And she said, as long as I'm not going, I'm not going with that guy, I'm coming with him. She was very shrewd. She could see. She could see what Gehasi was. Sometimes worldly people are very, very shrewd. She could see what Gehasi was. But what is interesting is Elisha says, take my staff and go lay it upon the boy. See, Elisha's staff in Gehasi's hand won't work. It won't work. Staff is Elisha's. The hand is Gahasi, hand of flesh. It won't work. It won't work. These are the things which we have to understand. Everybody wants Moses' rod. They don't want Moses' hand. Everybody wants Moses' rod. Oh, I wish I knew. But do you have his hand? Just made clean. Yeah, don't look at the rod. Look at the hand that is holding it. No. You want that power without that life. So Gehazi's hand can hold Elisha's rod. It will not work. So here is a young man. Who are it was? Okay. I see nothing. Go back. 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 He's not able to see. But how is this prophet so here? Because he's heard. You hear first. You hear first. He says, I hear the sound of rain. Period. I hear Faith comes from hearing. 
I hear the sound of rain. And this guy is not able to see anything. See anything. Okay. Meaning the thing is that he didn't have to come seven times back. He just had to stand there the first time and says, he's spoken, I will see. When I see, I will go and report him. But he had to go back for seven times because he's not open to the prophetic at all. He had to go only one time. He said, rain, right? He saw it all, right? This man is there. I've seen his life. I've seen his word. And he says, I'll wait. Elisha will pray, he'll wait. And he sees the hand of God and says, yeah, it's come. But this faith was not transferred to him. No. This is what we are talking about, the five foolish virgins. You cannot buy oil. And anybody who sells oil can be very sure it is fake oil. Somebody tried to buy oil from Peter and went out blind. Okay. You buy that oil, it will mess up your lamp. That's what God is talking about here. He says, go down and before the rain stops you. There was only one man who heard, who saw. And then scripture says, who ran under the anointing. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. All pictures God is saying. You can pick the smartest man in the world. Give him his smartest chariots with the fastest horses, but the anointing will cause you to go better and faster than anything flesh can do. And you need to believe. This pattern is there constantly. That's what the anointing does. So we are always fighting ourselves and our flesh for the anointing, not to get the wisdom and the stuff of the world, because it is the anointing. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my Holy Spirit. Like I keep saying, over and over I keep saying, our issue is with the Holy Spirit. And the problem with the Holy Spirit is he's still the power, spirit of resurrection. Meaning he works only on dead people. He works only on dead people. He doesn't even work on people who are alive. If you die, he works. If you're alive, says, well, well, run on your flesh. Maybe you can run as fast as they have. Then suddenly you will see another fellow who came from some small village in Telangana whom nobody knew going faster than you. And where did he come from? In the power of Elijah. Because he was not looking at all the you know, the worldly tricks and worldly styles in his preaching. He just went in the power of God. He went past him. So people get fooled. They look at all these settings and they'll think, surely this is the man of God. And God says, you have no clue in this spiritual realm what is happening. But the problem, that's why Isaiah 40.31 says, we shall run and not be? Yeah. How, how can you run and not be weary? How is it possible to run and not weary if it is not the Spirit of God who is causing you to run? Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's Elijah. What did he do for three and a half years? He waited on the Lord. That's all he did. He didn't do anything else. And now he runs and he's not weary. And he runs faster than, not Ahab, but the chariot. The problem is, go back to 46. Yeah. He ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
and then he stopped. That's one mistake he made. Now it will take God how many years to rectify that one mistake because you stopped before you finished your course. Can you imagine one apostle stopping? Let's let's think about it. What if um, St. Thomas came till Sri Lanka and went back? Didn't come to India. Think, think about it. Yeah. Think about Paul. He didn't go to Macedonia. Sorry, though, Asia is enough. You have to realize when you stop before you reach your target, it stopped at Jezreel. Jezreel means God shows. Stop there. But he didn't ask of God, what should I do? So it will take how many years later? 10, 12 years mentoring Elisha, and then Elisha's ministry, then Jehu has to come and Jehu has to finish it all. And he could have finished it all off in one shot over there. He didn't. If you go to Second Kings chapter 10 and 6 to 8, This is towards the end. He wrote a second letter to them, said, if you are for me and will obey my voice. This is Jehu's letter. It's okay. He's already killed Ahab. Ahab is gone. Jezebel is gone. They're all gone. Take the heads of the men, your master's son, and come to me at Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the king's son, 70 persons were with the great men of the city who were rearing them. This is Ahab's son. So it was when the letter came to them, they took the king's sons, slaughtered 70 persons, put their heads in the basket, sent them to him at Jezreel. And a messenger came and told him, they have brought the heads of the king's son. So he said, lay them in two heaps at the entrance of the gate until morning. This is what you should have done. They have Jezebel company, take it all, pile them before the gates of Jezreel. The Lord shows what is to be done with powers of darkness. That's what scripture means, what Jesus did in heavenly. He made a spectacle of them, trophies. He didn't cut off them up because they are spiritual. But in the natural, if he had done, this is what he would have laid their heads on a heap in front of it. This is it. Meaning, your power is gone. Head signifies your power. Power is gone. Power is broken. That is why scripture is talking upon you shall trample on their heads. You trample. So spiritual things. We are not cutting anybody's heads off. But we have to realize we have to take their heads off spiritually. And this is where he failed. This is where he failed. And verse 10. Know now that nothing shall fall to the earth of the word of the Lord which the Lord spoke concerning the house of Ahab. For the Lord has done what he spoke by his servant Elijah. Okay. So Elijah's let us say not exactly, but as a type. His glory, his rewards has to be shared with so many people. Because <laughs> he didn't finish his work. So that's where you have to be very, very careful. Don't stop at Jezreel. This is the final battle. If you don't destroy evil at Jezreel, then God will allow evil to overpower us. 
That's what happened. Because he stopped there and he ran, evil will rear its head up again. Before you know, there are hundreds of false prophets back again. You, okay, you leave it alone, but we have to deal with witchcraft in such a way that nobody goes to those places again. At least pastors don't go there. Let some, let the, leave the others alone. That's not our job. Our job is to deal with cleaning the church out. That these guys don't go there for power anymore. Hosei. In Malayalam, Telugu, Hoseiya. One and verse five. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. If you don't deal with the powers of darkness at Jezreel, then I will allow them to deal with you at that gate. You don't deal with sin in your life, then I will allow sin to deal with you in your life. This is a battle. It's a no holes barred battle. Either you overcome sin or sin overcomes you. There is... This is, victor takes all. If you are not an overcomer, then you are overcome. And only the overcomer inherits all. Even if you come through the flames with all your works destroyed, that means you endure to the basic gospel till the end, that you believed only in Christ for your salvation at least. Even that you have to hold till the end and didn't add anything to that. Rest of it all gone. But if you want to endure till the end, where the foundation stone comes through. You need to hold on to the foundation as your only salvation till the end. And nothing else. So if you don't overcome, you will be overcome. And that's what God says. It's okay. But God is very, very gentle with Elijah. Please understand that. 19 and verse 4. You have to understand from his perspective and why God is so gentle with him. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, Enough now, Lord, take my life. No, I am no better than my father's. He is overcome by a sense of failure. He thinks he failed his God. Failed his God. I failed God. I didn't finish the work. Meaning, he spent so much time in preparing me and I failed him in the last moment. I'm no better. Take my life. God said, no. I'll not forget your labor of love. I'm not going to forget it. I have other plans for you. He restores him, speaks to him and says, you know what? Mentor another generation who will finish your work. So please understand all these things. The things is that our repentance must be total and complete. So that when the devil comes, he has no hold over our lives. He should be able to say, the ruler of this world has come and he finds nothing in us. And this is the work only the Holy Spirit can do in us. Over and over and over again, the primary work of the Holy Spirit, sin, righteousness, judgment, sin, righteousness, allow him to do it. Keeping us, keeps us, leading us over and over and over into the truth. Until the church or the individual becomes what? A pillar of truth. What are you? The foundation 
and the pillar of truth. Revelation 3.11 To one church a promise is given. Philadelphia. Oh, and let's go to verse 12. Yeah, 11. He who overcomes, I'll make him a... Ah, you become a pillar. Why? Because you have become truth. I am truth. You have become truth. And I'll make you a pillar in my temple. What does that mean? What does it mean in eternity? Eternity is one of the rewards of the overcomers of Philadelphia Church. Where God is truth, Jesus is truth, Spirit is truth, Word is truth. Uh, let's talk about an individual. Let's say Dr. Richard has become truth. In all of eternity, God's Spirit will point you and says, be like him. Teaching is going in through eternity. There are a lot of people who have not come to the fullness of truth. What should I do? That's truth. When we point it to Christ, Christ points to that one and says, that's truth. There's no difference between he and me. He has become truth. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will teach you if you allow. So please, please understand these things. Even as we continue studying twice a day, doctrine is useful only if Christ is in you. Otherwise, doctrine is very dangerous. You can be totally, absolutely be correct in your doctrine and be dead spiritually. Doctrine doesn't save you if you are not already saved. Doctrine is for the saved. Doctrine is not for the unsaved. And the unsaved can be so completely, absolutely correct about their doctrine and be dead. That's why you have to be very, very careful. Salvation is connected with a person. And doctrine helps for that person to grow in you and you to die. Because as we've been looking, the Holy Spirit is taking the church that is in Christ to Christ. And in that, there can be no division of heart, mind or feelings. Because one day they have to become one. The bride and the bridegroom, they become one. That is why I said the doctrines from Romans to Revelation goes beyond what Jesus taught and spoke in the four Gospels. And that is why Jesus said, when they have so much to tell you now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, teach you all things. That's a new creation. That's a new creation. Just because we have been created new, we haven't become the new creation completely yet. Completely yet. So this evening, keep those things in mind. We were not looking at Elijah as Elijah in the total Bible study on Elijah. We are looking at Elijah. These are all markers in our life. What do you see in Elijah? What is that of Christ you see in Elijah? What is that of Christ you see in Elisha? What is that Christ? That's all. And what is that you don't see of them in you? And don't try it on your own. It simply won't work. You go back on your knees and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Holy Spirit, here I am. Without the Spirit, nothing is possible. With the Spirit, everything is possible. 
creates more and more and more dependency on the Spirit of God. That is the key. That is the key as this goes. We need to ask ourselves, is that happening in my life? Am I dependent more and more? Or even like us, 23 days of teaching the Word of God, what we are realizing is the world may think something else. The people who listen may think something else. We are actually aware of our weak, our, what, not even weakness. What is that? Huh? Insufficient with the Word of God. Insufficient. Literally insufficient with the Word of God. When you preach for 23 days, what you realize is that you don't know. It's not that how much you know, that you really do not know the Word. Really aware how little we know about the Word of God. Because the more you get into the Word of God, you are actually aware of your lack of knowledge of the God of the Word. God of the Word. And you are even more dependent. Sometimes some of the days when I sit over there, I wish I hadn't started this. <laughs> I stuck to <laughs> two services a week. Three days a week was fine. It was comfortable. Suddenly 23 and 46 plus... 34, yeah, not 23, 34 days, two hours a day, and Lord, is, no, it's not about the preaching part, but if you don't know who you are preaching about, to preach, you have to preach God to man, and truly, which man is worthy of that? We are insufficient for things without the Holy Spirit. Then, like Paul says, yet we can do all things through whom. One more call to my dear, I want, I don't want to call you brothers telling you, because you took the name of Christ, you got your power from the wrong place, you have deceived tens and thousands and millions of people, and you have stolen money left, right, and center from these poor ones, because you told them you are giving to God when they give it to you. And I am telling you, you guys are responsible for the destruction of the church, because you started these worldwide ministries and drew people in their millions from their own churches and from their own shepherds and took their money. And thousands of churches had to shut down because of you. So you have blood of people and innocent shepherds. You destroyed the churches. The one thing we don't do, we don't tell people, no, we are here, please don't come, listen online, that is okay. We are not here to break churches, we are here to build churches. But you have destroyed tens and thousands of churches. You have literally destroyed. So you have no clue what is awaiting for you if you don't repent now. What is awaiting for you? Because this is a God who will judge the quick and the dead. Walk before him, trembling. Servants of God, walk before him. He will have much more mercy on the Gentiles than he will have on people who have deceived his people. That is what he did with Baal. He said, those who didn't like my rule, bring them. Jesus will say, Cut them into pieces before me. You know? So be very careful. All who have taken the name of Christ Jesus and used witchcraft to expand your ministries and preached mammon and not Christ and stolen from the widows. Literally stolen from the widows. You have stolen. And you have taken money from everybody. Every the religious people, all religion people, you took, send it online, send it online, send it, and you prophesied lies into their lives and showed false miracles. Power comes from both sides, we know that. So all of you are hearing, if you hear, if it is about you, if you are innocent, you don't have to worry. 
So this night, once again, we'll pray. Father God, we once again, we come to you, Lord, and we pray, Father, have mercy, mercy, mercy on your people, Lord. Turn your their hearts back to you, Lord. That was the only cry of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Lord, turn their hearts back to you. That's our prayer. Turn the hearts of your people back to you. Let them destroy everything that is not of you in their lives. Destroy everything that is not of you. That a pure, spotless bride may emerge after the lockdown is over. People will come out onto the streets. But spiritually, a church that is different will emerge out into the world. Because she spent this time before God and allowed the word and the spirit to cleanse her, purify her, fill her, and she comes out strong. That's my prayer. That's our prayer, O oh Lord, starting with us. And for that, if 33 days are not even, keep extending, Lord. We have no issues. Because the spiritual comes first, not the physical. We can fast. The church has to learn the discipline to fast. One meal less, two meals less, it should not matter to the church. What is important is that you make us blameless spirit, soul, and body before God. So I release the church into their hands because this is all about the church. This is not about the world. You told Israel, I will break your staff of bread. So this is not about the world. This is about that you are dealing with the church. If this is judgment, then judgment begins first with the house of God. So you are dealing with us so that we will not be judged along with the world. That also you said in Corinthians 11. That if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged with the world. So you are giving us this time to search our hearts, to leave that sloppy, feel-good Christianity and come to the core, the meat, to be led by your Spirit so that we can stand by your Spirit and run by your Spirit and not grow weary. Because after this is over, there will be so much work to be done. So I pray, Spirit of God, you will move over the hearts and the minds of your people. That out of this will arise a generation of young and old men and women. Even our songs will change. The songs that have come out of it, the messages that come out, the ministries that arises out of it will be completely different. It will be just not power but it will be life. The life of Christ will flow. Not just demonstrations of power. The life of Christ will flow through the ministries that will emerge. Our little ones, old ones, it will change. And the rain will come. The latter and the former rain together will come. Till then, our flower and our oil will not dry. We will not worry we are not worried about that at all. We are at rest about it. Our God will give. We are waiting for that rain. That rain will come when everything that is 
unpleasant in the sight of our God is destroyed in our lives. It may not fall like it fell physically in Israel, but it will fall upon, fall upon your individuals who are ready. The rest of the world or church may not even know about it. So I pray each one of us will just prepare for that rain. We cleanse ourselves. And Daniel and his friend, Daniel's three friends came out of that fire. Scripture says there was no smell of smoke upon them. But Elijah stood up, I believe. I think he smelled the smoke of God all over him. That's how our people should arise. Fire of God has destroyed everything in them. Nothing is left. What is remaining is of God and God alone. Help us, Lord. These are the pictures you have painted in Scripture. And I pray somebody somewhere will be hungry and pursue it. And Elisha's will arise. We'll walk in the power of God, the presence of God. Plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus once again over the church everywhere, your people. Protect them, preserve them, keep them. Let all the works of the enemy against them be destroyed in Jesus' name. Every demonic entity released, just go back to those who have released them. It will not come near our people. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is over your church. The blood of Jesus is against the enemies of God. Protect us, Lord. Protect us, preserve us, keep us. All of us, Lord. We rest in you. Our comfort is in you, our rest is in you, and our strength is in you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us and go before us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.